episode 75 with Violetta Pleshikova. Violetta, thank you so much for being here with me. Thank you for inviting me. You're so welcome. Now, you are a transformational trainer, an intuitive mentor, a spiritual coach, and a blueprint changer, as well as being a Magdalene devotee. I'm so curious, what is a blueprint changer? Oh, wow. Uh, great question. A blueprint changer. See, in Akashic Records theory, blueprint changer is a name for a particular soul group. But I use this notion in a much broader sense. So in my definition, a blueprint changer is anyone who lives and works on the intersection between, on the one hand side, being a star seed, so being a cosmic soul with background all over the universe, not just on Earth, so being a star seed. Second angle is being a leader, so really caring for some purpose, really being someone who is not shying away from responsibility, someone who is like, okay, I will walk the path, I will be the path. That, and another angle to that is a certain streak of change maker, rebel. Um, I call them also undercover agents of transformation. So they often incarnate into challenging situations, challenging families or themselves. They go through quite a ton of adversity in their life such that they can be the way. So blueprint changes are here to revolutionize a new way of being and they are doing that through living it through embodying it so it's not just a lofty concept of uh, let's call ourselves leaders and tell everyone how they should live it's actually more like okay we sometimes even are on the periphery but we embody a new way of being that's amazing that's some very brave souls Oh, yes, uh, yes. And um, in my work, uh, I encounter them a lot. That's why I started to talk more about it. And even mm, I wrote an article about it on my website, uh, created Blueprint Changes curriculum material to support them because I find they, they don't always find a reflection of their challenges and their essence in, out there, even in the new age, in the woo, in the witchy community and body of work. Okay, so two things that I'd like to kind of pick out from what you said was one about what exactly is a star seed, and then the other is more about the Akashic records and kind of what does that mean? All right, so a star seed, uh, or they are also called star travelers, they are souls that have had experiences on different planes of incarnation, star systems, planets, not only on planet Earth. And of course, it all comes from the big picture incarnation perspective that as a soul, we get individuated from source and then we look for different systems where we can self-express through incarnation. Um, sometimes people say that a star seed is someone who has their home, not on Earth, but on some other planet. And yes, I do agree, but I see one layer deeper than that. It's like, to me, every soul, when they separate from source, when they are just like, you know, emerging as a unit, as an entity of their own, they are so unique that there is possibly no system or soul group or label that you can put them under. You know, everyone is so unique and 
even though we can say, oh yeah, in the Akashic Records, we can look up someone's sole background and history, but even that is just a snapshot of the total experience. And so to me, a starseed is someone who has had a variety of those experiences. It's a soul that is like a bit of an adventurous soul and uh, in a way that soul would be an amalgamation of different experiences on different planes of existence, not just planet Earth. So they bring with them a lot of extraordinary healing gifts, artistic gifts, blueprints of innovation, some new healing modalities. And sometimes they feel a bit at odds with life on planet Earth because they they just don't fit in. They, it's like you're trying to take a star and box it into a really, really tiny box. It just doesn't fit in. Some things are just gonna stick out. So it's kind of like the cosmic explorers that bring with them extra kind of healing and innovation gifts. I love how you call it cosmic explorers. That could be another name for it. Yes, cosmic explorers or um, change agents or just cosmic uh, cosmic beings in the human body. Okay, love it. And you also asked about the Akashic Records. Say, so Akashic Records, mm, how I see it, it's a like a multi-dimensional vibrational library, let's say data field, information database where every place, every soul, every event has a record. So it's like a book, not a physical book, of course. Um, let's say all this data is recorded and there, past, present, future, parallel, all possible timelines, they all just exist. It, always is in the here and now and we can access this library through particular pathways many actually many stars it's already have access to akashic records then they go study different akashic records modalities they can get trained in it like a method or a system but essentially to me it's like just our direct dial line to the divine where we become vessels that receive this information and then through this information we can understand ourselves we can understand our past, we can understand some things that don't have a clear-cut explanation in the material world. That's, that, that's how I got into it. I had things in my life that I couldn't find an explanation for. No amount of therapy or coaching or um, family constellation could answer my questions. I had that curiosity since um, early days. It was like some puzzle pieces just didn't click and I found a lot of answers through Akasha Cricket exploration. I'm not saying that everyone will, but for me it was like that. So I see great value in that avenue of exploration. So what kind of questions could we find answers to in the Akasha Records that we maybe couldn't access on the earthly plane? One thing is mm, definitely everything around karmic stuff. I call it karmic stuff. It can be anything. Our contracts with people, uh, some vows that we have given in a previous lifetime that are still binding us. Very often people say experiences struggle. And you know, like what I notice is those karmic things, they have a particular taste. It's almost like you feel that, oh, something deep is happening in my life. And no matter what I do, I can't shift it. Mm -hmm. It's almost like that sense of mystery and sense of intensity. And to me, karma simply means a ripple effect. 
it's not something negative or positive per se. It simply means there is an incomplete energy. There is an energetical charge around it that needs to be explored. And then in the records, um, if you're trained to do it yourself, you can do it for yourself. But I find it's helpful to work with a specialist so somebody can be impartial and just collect the data for you. And then I do karmic digging, being like karmic detective uh, for people. They explain the situation or they share their symptoms. And sometimes I get already, as they're talking, some images or just some hints. I'm hearing uh, something from the guides. I'm just like receiving, you know, just like channeling happens basically. And then in the records, I use the pendulum also to confirm some things. Or I just go into that space of being completely attuned and pure and clear and still where answers can be given and sometimes it will be a revelation with regard to maybe there was like a lifetime where some energy got stuck and this person still had to forgive themselves for something to unlock that situation or there was some injustice done to them and they had to claim their power back from that karmic experience so things like that. So it's, uh, it allows us to balance the energy and restore, reclaim our power, like really bring it back from the past so we can have full access to, to our capacity. And it's like closing some doors that can drain our energy in this present lifetime, some doors from the past that can be really distracting for this lifetime and the purpose of this lifetime. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, if the, you, you're dealing with past lives, parallel lives, and everything, that's potentially a lot of energy that you're not aware of where it's kind of going. So I can imagine it could be a huge drain that you're here and now. So one of the things I'd love for us to kind of touch on is that's amazing. And it's very spiritual, very woo, very up there in ethers which is awesome and i love it and we very much live on earth so how can we bring all that wisdom down to earth oh that is a fabulous question i did not have a straight forward answer this is i would say this is like a question to live with a question that i'm always present to because i do see that just going up there into the ethers and engaging in all that um abstract exploration can be used sometimes for spiritual bypassing and just like all right let me go heal my karma and then my life will work and that is counterproductive so i don't see that this is in any way supportive so how how i see we can bring this wisdom back down is by always noticing and learning about the juxtaposition of divine and human of being like, how can I embody my soul? This is a question that I live with every day. How can I embody my magic? How can I now, in this lifetime, use the gifts that my soul has? I've spent several years exploring the intuitive realm. And now I feel like currently for me, my life is all about how do I embody it? How do I radiate it? How can I take it with me everywhere I go? So I show up as my true self, as my full self, not hiding my mystical power as a Magdalene priestess, for example, not hiding my edgy power as a rebel blueprint changer. How can I bring it with me to my mundane activities so my family can see it, my friends can see it? Like when I go downstairs to the bakery to, to buy bread, that I'm showing up and being available as my full self. So to me, it's all about being present 
radically present in our bodies and being present for our lives and really saying yes to all that life is bringing us, not avoiding it, not hiding from it. I think being radically present in our bodies can actually be quite difficult. Oh, absolutely. There are so many distractions. And also, I think our bodies are like depositories of pain. Many people actually come to Akasha Crackets on this kind of exploration because they have physical symptoms they cannot explain. And uh, sometimes I think we avoid our bodies because we avoid feeling. And you cannot hide from the body. The body knows. That's true. I think you're right that we do, I think, avoid the body to avoid feeling which I think is ironic because our feelings give us so much information. So I'm intrigued about kind of the spiritual connection then to, you know, our body, because you said one of the reasons that people can be attracted to the Kashuk Records is because of having physical symptoms that they can't explain. So do you think then that that's part of kind of the wider blueprint, something in us is trapped kind of energetically and it's expressing through our bodies? Yeah, I would say something like that. I think sometimes, you see, you cannot ignore a very obvious bodily symptoms. So say if you're having migraine headaches every day, it's really hard to ignore. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's the way I, I see human being as a holistic system. Okay. It's like there is always just say an issue or an economic incompletion. Mm-hmm. It might be first showing up on the spiritual level or on the mental or emotional level, but sometimes we're just not, not noticing or not hearing. So it has to go to the bodily level where we cannot ignore it. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes a doorway. For some people, that is the entry point. For other people, uh, relationships are the entry point. And to me, it doesn't matter which door they enter in as long as they end up in the hallway of healing. I call it sacred chamber of light or sacred chamber of healing. It's a space I take them to. So it doesn't matter. Some people will come through the body door. Some people will come through Anchester or family drama door. And again, this healing chamber, I think, can be accessed through so many different modalities. And uh, to me, the focus is never on like Akashic Records is the thing. It just happens to be the thing that my soul is skilled in and I've been doing it for lifetimes. So this is something I can offer. And then some people will will resonate with shamanic work. Other people will resonate straight up with body work and not any kind of spiritual work at all. As long as they end up on a healing journey and they can overcome the struggles that they are having, it's all good. I can see that. And I love this idea of there being kind of different doorways into the healing i think that's so true because one size doesn't fit all and i think sometimes we can get kind of tripped up thinking a particular pathway must work for us and if it doesn't it's all gone horribly wrong yes and also it's like expecting that there will be a shortcut expecting Mm -hmm. that okay i'm going to do a healing session on it and then it's going to be um gone it's like a, it, it, all this stuff, it works in such a non-linear way. Mm. Sometimes issues resurface. Um, sometimes healing is non-linear. And healing, I, I, um, I tend to say this, healing happens through grace. And a lot of surrender is required. A lot of willingness and trust and patience uh, is required. Yeah. 
yeah willingness trust surrender and patience those are kind of hard those are not easy things to engage with particularly i think if you're waiting or you're expecting a healing yeah yeah i think those things are actually our lessons many of us are learning about this especially in the world i know a lot of people who are learning about trust learning about surrender learning about patience it's like ah I think we tend to make it more difficult for ourselves than it has to be. Uh, and this is also part of the journey and part of the learning to relax into our magic and to, through that, evoke our magic and remember our magic. Remember that we can um, heal ourselves through our intrinsic knowledge, through our intrinsic ability as starseeds to have access to healing modalities. I think it's all part of the planetary plan that many of us are struggling but those struggles actually initiations into remembering our original authentic blueprint okay one of the things i love that you just said was about relaxing into our magic and i think it's so beautiful because it reminds us that we are innately intrinsically magic but it sounds like we've then we've maybe we've forgotten that we're magical yeah i think we have forgotten and we have hidden it real well also for karmic reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you ever heard of this term, the witch wound? I have. I have, but tell us more about it. <laughs> so that, for example, the witch wound or any kind of trauma of persecution, also um, quite traumatic incidents connected with Atlantis and how things went down on Atlantis. Mm-hmm. Many of us are like, oh no, last time I used my power and my magic on that scale, I managed to blow things up. So let me just pat it all away and just be a normal, regular citizen and pretend to be average. It's like healing. Oh no, I can't do that. (laughs) Maybe I will buy myself a crystal, but that's as far as it goes. (laughs) (laughs) And then they are sitting there with this crystal and having like, whoa, a freaking like Kundalini awakening or something. Um, Being like, oh, whoa, I'm actually crazy powerful. Um, I, I had a bit of that <laughs> on, okay. on my journey. I was like, I felt as if a cosmic brick hit me on the head and I cracked <laughs> my intuitive channels open. I was intuitive since childhood, but then of course I had to hide it just to survive uh, during school years and so on. Mm-hmm. And I, but I've always been interested in that. And at some point, I just could not contain it any longer. This uh, this power just really wanted to get out. And so um, it was like a, like a wonderland uh, kind of experience for a while. Sounds awesome. Tell us more about kind of Atlantis and kind of the witch wounds. How does kind of what happened so long ago still affect us today? Oh, well, that's because time is an illusion. Um, let's say I, I say time is a learning device because we need to measure our progress in some in, in, in chunks of something. But actually, essentially, in, let's say, in the multidimensional perspective and from a Cracker's perspective, everything is happening at the same time. The time is not linear, it's vertical. Yeah, what the Greeks would call chronos. It's timing. Yeah, it's like everything is just layered over. Like imagine a giant cake with all the layers where all of our lifetimes actually happen simultaneously. That's why whatever we are doing now has ripple effect backwards and forwards. And that's why karmic healing and even ancestral healing, all of that, it works. Because it kind of upgrades the entire timeline. 
I, I, and that's how it um, impacts us. Plus, not to forget genetic codes. It's just playing out in our DNA, in our, um, even in the cellular memory. So it's double. It's in the body, physical, the ancestors who come all the way from there, and this way or the other, plus soul memory, which is timeless. And on the intersection of two, uh, we we have quite a, quite a lot of then things to work with. Plus, the overall context of the planet and the memory field around the morphic field of Earth that still holds memories of all of that, which you can feel when you go to places of power or where you go to places where some tragic events happened. So what is the, mor the morphic field? The morphic field, well, um, basically the information field. Okay. The information field where everything is encoded as a blueprint. And I also see how everything is encoded in language. I'm fascinated uh, by the very idea of language. Because come think of it, we are language, we are, we are a movement in language. Everything has language to it. Mm -hmm. and that's why I find it's also so powerful to work with clearings and clearing prayer and invocations and declarations. We can literally erase some lines of code in the blueprint by working on the level of language. Are you talking human language or do you mean light language or both? I'm in, I'm, I'm in, I'm in human language. Okay. Uh, on a higher dimensional level, light language as well. But yeah, I, I just mean plain out human language, no matter which language that is, mm -hmm. uh, either English, uh, Russian, uh, which is my mother tongue, or whatever. Um, we are continuously programming and creating and writing our future through language, also collectively as humankind. So if you just look at how things are being phrased, are they, and how words have charged. Uh, I'm fascinated, for example, by the connection between the words woman, womb, witch, and bitch. <laughs> <laughs> if you look into it, uh, there is this resonance field, and I'm like really wondering how did we migrate uh, from witch to bitch, and how um, how intrinsically linked um, all all of it is. It's fascinating. Yeah, no, it is. It is. I mean, language is so powerful. I think we're just waking up perhaps we're just becoming conscious of just how powerful our words really are. Yeah, you know, the German philosopher Ludwig Wittgenstein said, you cannot enter the world for which you do not have a language. Very true. And, and, he, and he clearly did not mean that you can't go to Germany if you don't speak German, because you can. It's like if you want to enter the reality of another person, you need to understand how, um, how they tick, what meaning do they give to their words. And um, you, you can pick it up and sometimes see working in the Akasha Crackets, I would just get words that I started to call soul statement. It's like soul has its frequency, its vibration. Like those are keywords that define who that soul is. And they will carry this frequency through, throughout, no matter where they go, no matter how they incarnate. So let's say it's very different flavor. Say someone is all about lightness and joy versus someone who is about determination and, um, and truth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's, that's really different. And um, that is like the unique soul portrait, which I call soul essence. Who you are in your soul essence 
in that core, that is the, the, the core blueprint and the key lines of language that you're gonna carry with you. And that's gonna literally emanate and radiate from you. So once you nail that down and once you are in connection with that, you can then channel it everywhere into everything, into your work, be that your branding or be that your self-expression. It's like, what are you about? What is the unique flavor that you bring? Because all of those flavors are needed. It will take all colors of the rainbow to shift this planet. Absolutely. So would it be fair to say then, kind of going up into the Akasha Records, it's really finding out more about you, like who you are as a person, in terms of going way back in terms of your lineage. Yeah, it's like it's one of my favorite things to do. Um, Something that I call soul essence sessions is where we go and look specifically at that, at the soul background, what systems and star systems and planets they had an experience on and what are those about? What are the keywords of the soul? And sometimes if the soul wants to break through something like a soul prayer, certain lines and core beliefs of the soul about itself that support the person to, to connect with that. And there are also spiritual lineages, for example. Mm-hmm. For me, I have deep connection with Magdalene and Order of Magdalene and what I call Magdalene consciousness, everything around Mary Magdalene and Yeshua and their alchemical, alchemical relationship and the sacred sexual alchemy that is very close to me. It's like even talking about it gives me goosebumps. It's like it's not something that I learned in this lifetime. It's more something that I started to remember and that's why I started to get pulled to explore that and to read modern day books, you know, and for some people it can be something else. They will be, they will be naturally drawn to those places and frequencies because it's part of who they are. It's like they are reclaiming it because they need it. They need it for their current path, for their personal mission, for their part in the collective mission. So is us being called then almost like following the soul's breadcrumbs? Yes, I love uh, I love this phrase. Yes, exactly. It's like you are you are learning to, to to get attuned to yourself and just to follow the little impulses and trust them, trust the deeper knowing. And which is, by the way, also I think one of the ways of how we embody the soul. We start discerning those soul callings and soul cravings and following them step by step without needing to have a plan in front of us or like scripted into steps because in a way I find that the soul does not really care about what we do or how we do it. It cares more about um, the essence of it, you know, like the frequency of it. As in like, it doesn't care if you actually going to be like employed full time and express your essence there, or you're going to quit and have your own business. You know what I mean? It's like, it's the form, it's the form and function, but what is the frequency and the essence? And I see like many people get so hung up on like, what is my purpose? What am I supposed to do? Mm-hmm. How am I supposed to look like? And I want to say like, come on, it's, 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 it's irrelevant. Rather, spend your energy not in the mind trying to figure out the what and how of it, but more like, what is the essence of it? What, what is my frequency? Who am I? And just be that. Be that exactly there where you are at right now even if it's your job or your family whatever it is and by being who you are and 
embodying this essence more and more and more, you will be given steps. You will feel the impulse because it's the soul's natural desire to self-express and expand. You cannot contain it at some point. It's like it, it starts taking over. And it, it, that is, I think, what is called in the New Age circles, alignment. I love the word congruency. You become congruent. And in that, you become alchemical. What alchemists call as above, so below, as within, so without. So to me, it's all about aligning those um, aspects of ourselves, that there is no longer a gap between the way we show ourselves to the world in our human body and in our human personality and who we are on the soul level. And so many of us are still hiding that. So there is discrepancy, hence incongruency. Mm -hmm. And we experience this incongruency through all kinds of symptoms and um, our system feels that something is up, that there is a greater capacity for embodiment. So it will always stretch us through some kind of a challenge. So one of the things that kind of really stuck out to me about what you just said was essentially, I'm paraphrasing now, that the soul doesn't care how you show up so much as of what you do, as so much of the frequency of it. And I was thinking, well, that's easier said than done because I think as humans, we want to know what it's going to look like. Mm -hmm. we, we, I mm -hmm. want it, we want that box. Yes. The box is, it's too small for us. It doesn't give us the expansion space we need, but we want that box. So I guess my question is, is how do we embody that soul frequency when we also have this desire to have that box, to be grounded? Mm, what an excellent question. So what I see here is we need to inquire into what is the deeper need behind this need for the box, for knowing all the steps. And what I see there is a very natural human need for safety and security, mm -hmm. which is not to be ignored. Uh, I, do, mm, uh, I do believe that we do need safety and security and trust. And here, I, I think the way to go about it is to create safety within and create grounding and strong inner foundation. So to make it like, okay, so it's not about knowing my steps, but trusting that the next step will come when I need it. Okay. Instead of the safety and security of it's gonna be all right because it's safe and planned versus I am safe and secure within myself to the degree that I trust that I can handle anything. In, in, in that, we are shifting the focus back to ourselves. Mm -hmm. Stop searching it out, out there in the external reality, trying to grasp, so grasping on to money, grasping on to relationships, grasping on to status, grasping on to any kind of external thing that might fade away anyway, because relationships break, money ends, jobs can get lost, and so on, yeah? Mm -hmm. But the inner relationship of that intrinsic safety, of self-sourced safety, of being my own best friend, knowing that I have my back, I have my own back, and I am held downwards by earth, upwards by heaven so i will figure it out as long as i'm close to myself as long as there is no gap between me and my heart and that i find for me it helped me let go of the of the safety box and um and then and that said still on the other side is also staying with the question okay what do i need in order to feel safe right now and providing that being being actually self-responsible 
for providing and that what is needed for ourselves. Maybe sometimes it can be like, okay, to have a one month plan or to have um, some savings cushion and then providing that. But again, the starting point would be that it is my relationship with me. I'm asking myself, what do I need right now to feel safe versus expecting the outside world or to provide that safety to me. Mm -hmm. So is that how we cultivate that inner safety is by asking ourselves what it is that we need to feel safe? And also by, to me, what I, would, I find really helpful is just a lot of loving self-talk, back to language. Mm-hmm. It's like, how do you talk to yourself? Become really vigilant. And if you find yourself in a negative self-talk or being unkind to you, honoring those voices as parts of our complex and fragmented human psyche and just having an inner dialogue with them. is like, oh, who are you that inner inner bitch or who are you that inner insecure little child who mm. just feels overwhelmed by the world and bringing them all in being that internal parent to yourself and talking to yourself in a very soothing way it's like i hear you okay i hear that you feel unsafe right now what can i do for you you know like being in that inner dialogue how a parent would treat um a bunch of kids while all trying to go into different directions and have different conflicting needs you're going to bring them all in. You're going to love them, but you're also going to be able to discipline them when needed. So having that inner centeredness, that inner authority towards yourself that is unconditionally loving and also very discerning and clear on the bigger vision and watching our internal conversation. Um, sometimes I just write really long letters to myself and long letters to my spirit guides. And then I write the response back from my soul or from my guides um, so actually, I, I have in my, sp- in my life a lot of just space for inner work and space that I spent with myself, you know, to not leave myself behind just because I'm busy, but to always make sure that I'm on the same page with me, that all of my inner parts are included. And if, if, if anything is off, taking the time to align, come into congruence with myself so I know that at least no matter what's going on on the outside, I'm good with me. Mm-hmm. Do you have a particular ritual or practice you have around that to make sure you do stay on the same page with you? Uh, well, I love doing that once a week. Normally on the weekend, I take half a day off. Sometimes I do a whole day called Temple Day where I really make it nice. I clean my physical space. I smudge or whatever. I make sure I have fresh flowers, that I light my candles, that I declare that I'm in a sacred, safe space. I visualize, cast a circle around me for protection. I call upon my spirit guides. I enter Akashic Records. And then I do a journal based on what I need right now. Normally, first, step one is just I really call upon all the guides and masters that I'm working with just to call them in and to establish that connection. As a second step, I just pour my heart out on paper. I just share what's up, what I need to upload. And then afterwards, step three would be asking for help. What is it that I need help with? What are my projects, goals, inner shifts? And then step four is opening up to that help, declaring that I'm ready to receive and claiming it by stating, by the power of my word, it is done. And so it is. I'm claiming this miracle or something like that. And of course, meditating, praying, but that's more or less the ritual where I do it in writing. I love writing also just to use my body again, like, you know, with my hands, not typing it, but writing it, mm-hmm. um, just sitting and sometimes going to nature for a walk. Um, 
doing some clearing work um, on my yoga mat, just like stretching and mm -hmm. visualizing all the light around me through the body. So there's just some of the things I do. I love that. I love the combination of kind of then the right thing and then the, the embodiment by moving your body and getting out into nature. Yeah, that is so important. I notice that if I don't do that after clearing, um, something gets really stuck and I don't want that in my body. So shake it out, people. So <laughs> to get ourselves moving, especially after we have done a massive chunk of work, um, so important to not ignore that. Definitely, definitely. So one of the things you've mentioned kind of several times is that you work with your, your spirit guides and your ascended, ma and the ascended masters. And I'm curious, how... How did that kind of channel of communication open to you? I mean, you said earlier on that you got hit by a spiritual brick, kind of all your intuitive kind of powers kind of switched on. How, how did that happen? Uh, well, that happened actually as part of my so-called dark night of the soul. Mm -hmm. I think it, was, it, it happened because there was no other place to go. Uh, everything ended. It's like I sold my previous business, um, a romantic relationship ended, I moved house, um, I felt uh, very overwhelmed by all that and it felt like a whole, whole chapter ended and soon thereafter my favorite person in the whole world, my grandfather who raised me passed away um, and basically within one and a half years, the space of one and a half years, three of very close people, three of my grandparents passed away and they all raised me and it was it's not even the fact of their passing that was traumatic. It was more what it did to the family and how the family field shifted. So anyway, all of that, like a lot of loss and a lot of grief and um, a lot of my own resistance to life, feeling flat out suicidal um, for chunks of time, not really wanting to be here, uh, feeling like... Um, I don't, I don't, uh, not, not believing that it makes any difference, not believing that I will actually make any impact, uh, you know, so that's been going on. And I feel like I was squeezed. I was really squeezed by, by life to, it was like now using my magic, I call it my magic, my abilities and so on. That's the, that was the only way to survive. I could not find it in in rationalizing, I could not find it in um, being just a leader. That I've, I've always been quite, you know, leadership oriented and so on. Um, I started leading transformational trainings and actually training people to be a coach at an international coach training school called Creative Consciousness pretty young when I was 27. Um, but I always felt like that there is that there is more that there is part of that witchy side, and it just started to to come up. It was coming up all the time. I would just get uh, past life flashbacks with people with participants, or I would start doing healing work on them in coaching in like normal life coaching session. Mm -hmm. um, so I felt like okay, it needs to it needs to come out, and it did come out when I myself was just so. Um, so devastated that I didn't have the energy to fight it, you know, and it just, it started to come out naturally as my salvation. So I, I found solace and I found consolation to my grief in, in that mystical realm, in that magical exploration. And it gave me answers, a lot of answers about my romantic relationships and my love life, about some physical symptoms. I had asthma since childhood. 
it helped me understand myself and it felt like I am claiming myself back. Mm. I am becoming more of who I've always been, who I've been as a child. You know, when I was 18 years old, I spontaneously discovered tarot cards and it just was so natural for me to give readings. I told my mom, I want to be a professional witch. She said, I am crazy because I was best student of the best university in Moscow at the time. And I planned to work with the United Nations. That was the plan. Never happened, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> happened um i uh, i eventually circled back to my witchy past you know like everything that i um that i've always wanted basically since uh, since young ages that's why i think it's impossible it's not possible to miss your purpose you can resist it you can kick it a kick and scream but it will be um, pushing and trying to to get your attention because it's in your bones it's in your blood it's in your dna um, it's in your blueprint. It, it it is in your energy. It's already encoded. It it's like it's sometimes it's just screaming for you to remember. And for me, it was screaming through my attraction to the mystical. Through even for a while, I used to be a lot of you know I was so into gothic music, and the way I would be dressed, you know, with my long dark hair and all that kind of really witchy um, personal brand. <laughs> <laughs> word uh, when I was 18 but you know like and now I look at myself at, uh, at how I look it's like whoa but it's so similar to, to, to how it was say 15 years ago when I was uh, into gothic stuff it's like it has always been there I just didn't know how to place it back then mm -hmm. but, but now I know it's like collecting all those pieces huh and I think that's, I mean, obviously everyone comes to it from a different perspective, but I think that dark night of the soul is very, very common. I think very common for women who are on kind of that witchy priestess path. It's almost like everything else has to get burned down so we can kind of open up to, not necessarily to our truth, because I think you're right, it's always there, but our ability to be able to see it. Oh yes, you put it so well, exactly. It's it's already there, but if we are looking the other way, mm. something drastic needs to happen. And I also think it's a rite of passage because look, in the ancient mystery schools, uh, they had to go through initiations. They had to go through, um, let's say trials or trainings where they were kind of pushed into the dark night of the soul because whatever did not belong to being a true priestess or being a true healer, being a true shaman teacher, whatever, it had to go. And we are just having it in our modern times, in our modern lives, in very mundane ways. So for people, it shows up as sometimes physical illness or relationship breakdown or complete life overhaul. So we do we think of it as, oh, my life is falling apart, but actually it is mystical initiation. We just don't see it as initiation. Sometimes we only understand backwards. When we look backwards, that, well, that was actually the biggest blessing of my life. Mm -hmm. It initiated back into me Definitely. but it's all the same it's all the same and I think we need to let go of the idea that it's just got to be like all unicorns rainbows crystals and butterflies because uh, the glamour side of the wool and the glamour side of being a witch is basically consumerism um, there's a lot of consumerism and cultural appropriation around all that um, just let's like uh, dress in the flowy priestess clothes uh, buy an expensive uh, 200 uh, bucks uh, mala um, I don't know what else it belongs to 
to the kid in some expensive tarot decks and crystals and burn the sage uh, every five minutes. Um, you know, it's like that's just the, the, the periphery. That's not the essence. And the essence is so many women uh, and men are awakening to their mystical power through most uh, through things that they will never think are mystical, but they are. And I know people like that. I have colleagues like that who are going through this stuff. And it's only during those periods of time that they start even contemplating things like soul essence, soul purpose, karma and past lives, because it's so in their face, they cannot ignore it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we have to talk about this whole woo consumerism, because it is so everywhere. There is so much fairy dust. Yes. And I'm not getting fairy dust. I do love a bit of glitter. But mm. I, I, do, I do think there is this sense that it's, it's almost become accepted as that's what, it's, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, like the unicorns, the fairy dust, you know, the flowy clothes, you know, the, the rose crowns, that that is what being a witch or a priestess or walking, walking the path of woo actually is. And I think a lot of the deep work isn't being recognized as much that we believe we have the dharma in a work and there is that that initiation that you spoke of yeah yeah true in defense of fairy dust though i think it's just um sometimes this is just the expression of our deeper craving for beauty and our craving for ritual um that got lost in the last thousands of years mm-hmm. we really miss those rites of passage and beautiful rituals um, yes, it's not about that, but I think it lives in our collective unconscious. Mm-hmm. And by engaging in ritual and engaging in all the kind of the glitter external side of it, we are sometimes plugging back into the internal. And for many women I know, and men as well, uh, this is the doorway. And I don't care who opens the door. If it's like a Hay House author with a very basic book about that stuff, um, if that opens the door for them, Amen, like walk in, just walk through the door. But don't think that this is it. You know, like don't stay on the surface, continue digging deeper. Well, I think that's kind of where I was coming to because I love you. I love a good unicorn, you know, mm-hmm. and I have no issue with that. And I, you know, I love the fairy mm-hmm. dust and I think it is a way in for lots of people. Mm-hmm. I think where potentially there is an issue is that people get stuck in that. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's like they, 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 I see what you mean. It's almost like they think, okay, now I am doing the work. Now I am just going to full moon circle and um, I don't know, studying Reiki and something like that, or studying Akashic records, or studying this, or studying that. Um, and many people are pushing away um, the next round of initiation. Mm-hmm. So I think it's that illusion of, okay, just step through the door, hang out with us or on the, on the meadow, put on the flower crown and get yourself a crystal and, and then you live happily ever after. That's also the narrative that I see so much in marketing on websites and in books where mm, people create that misguided notion that the moment you step through that door and start engaging in the woo world, you're never going to face um, deep shit again, but actually that's untrue. Um, and sometimes people push away their progress by not wanting to quote unquote 
feel bad again. You know what I mean? But it, is, it doesn't feel spiritual. It's, it's essential. That would be then spiritual bypassing. They, they, they want only the light, they, but that's not how that works. The beauty of it is that we need light and dark to, to learn about ourselves. So one uh, dark night of the soul, that's just the beginning. Uh, there are 12 more waiting or whatever, X number more waiting. And next time it happens, you can't push it away and just sprinkle some, uh, some, some fairy dust over it. You gotta be willing to go deep again and again and again and again and not get on the high horse um, or shall we say on the high unicorn into spiritual arrogance of oh I've done my work or oh, I've healed that already I see people say that again and again and again and it actually pissed me off I think it's just dishonest to claim that you are done are we ever done we don't okay. know maybe we are but maybe we're not but that's arrogance just to say I'm healed I'm done I'm now with the angels <laughs> you know I'm basically like uh, Godhead incarnate bow to me humans bow to me <laughs> And by the way, pay over there. My session is, um, uh, yeah, five million euros. Um, you know, it's like, nay, I think it's important to, to be humble and to uh, eat a slice of humble pie every once in a while um, together with uh, all the other um, green smoothie nutrients, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think we ever are done. I mean, if we, if, if we were done, we wouldn't be here in that sense. Yes, exactly. That's exactly my point. As long as we are alive, there is more to learn, more to embrace, more to give. And sometimes it has to, to be ugly, you know, to, to get ugly again, where um, all your fairy dust uh, is mixed with tears. Mm -hmm. And I think that's okay. Yeah. That's kind, of, that's, that's kind of the point. Because I think you're right, we do have that craving for beauty and for ritual. And I think, you know, beauty can be very healing. No. There's more there's more to it. So what would you say to somebody who's kind of walked through that, that doorway in terms of the fairy dust, you know, the flower crowns, and kind mm -hmm. of starting to feel like the deck's dark, like the sun is approaching, where they're feeling those feelings what they don't want to feel because it feels dark and they're quite unquite spiritual. Mm -hmm. Kind of how can they mm -hmm. make that step and go deeper? Mm, I would ask them to connect with their heart. Okay. What does your heart want? I would ask them to get really, really honest with themselves. And sometimes they don't want to do it publicly, you know, because they have Instagram followers to entertain and they don't want people to think that they're going through something. Then do it in private, you know, do it in private. You don't have to do it in front of your fairy unicorn friends if you don't want to damage your brand or something like that. <laughs> just go inwards but be honest with yourself that's the only thing required be honest with yourself you can be honest with others later uh, but be honest with yourself about what does your heart want and what is really going on and I think it also requires letting ourselves off the hook with regard to perfectionism and needing to have it all together and be a spiritual good girl or be a spiritual role model or be anything like that we need to start collectively redefining that and centering a mess as much as we center glamour and center um, and just allow ourselves to be witnessed by others as we are going through periods of questioning or redefining ourselves. So getting honest with ourselves and uh, also not um, in not being kind to ourselves and being kind to others. Mm -hmm. Being That's kind to those who are going through that. 
So some compassion or lots of compassion. Yeah, lots of compassion and being like, it's okay to go to have to go into descent again, to learn to love the shadow, to learn to love the dark, and to learn to love uh, those messy moments. Like we really, really love them and not expect um, of ourselves that we are on the rise all the freaking time. Mm-hmm. Well, if you think about it in terms of nature, that's not possible. It's not possible. It's not possible. It's not, it's also it's it's not needed. It's not needed. It's true. I mean, if you look at the seasons, you know, you're not in growth mode all the time. You know, the, the flowers don't always bloom, and I think we forget that as humans. Yeah, yeah, and I think also it's like we need to. Why I say be kind to ourselves and be kind to others is to just start again finding value in um, in the mess and in the chaos and i would say like to be honest i think human beings will always prefer uh to feel good that's mm-hmm. very natural preference we want to yeah. move away from pain and towards pleasure but at least to normalize to normalize the the messy side to not bash ourselves and to not um to not judge others only by their light um, to not expect of them, you know, that they will have it all together all the time, to not expect it from each other and from ourselves. So to create space for both the mess and the magic. Yes. The, the, the magic of mess. <laughs> the magic of mess. There you go. I love it. So this has been amazing. I feel like we've talked about so much and gone to so many different places. It's going to be, it's, my mind is blown. It's amazing. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, uh, the magic of mess, good finishing line. I love it, I love it. Mm. Um, so now everyone's got to know you. How can they stay in touch and find out more about what you do? My website is violetoplishakova.com and the main place where I hang out is Instagram. So you can find me with my full name at Violeta Plishakova as one word. I share daily uh, my mess and my magic. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'm, I'm, I am myself still learning to to show more of the mass and not just the magic, you know. I'm on the journey, so Instagram is a place to find me and my website is a place to learn more about my work. And I also have a podcast called The Unveiling, mm-hmm. uh, which is part interviews and part solo episodes. So those are the places. Wonderful. And I'll have links to all of those in the show notes. Fabiola, again, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you too. It was amazing. so great to hang out with you today if you love the show please leave a review on itunes as it really helps get this message into more ears this is amy biondini live your truth be yourself